0: Well, uh, wherever you're tuning in from, here's what's cool is I got, I've got a crew with me, which is wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is good. Uh, but but maybe, maybe right now you're like, uh, I'm on my phone or I'm, I'm at a computer, or I'm watching on TV or, or I'm, I'm at East location. Or I, or, listen, listen, we're all tuning in in different ways, but to the same message. So wherever you are, um, if you're deployed, if you're holding a crying baby right now, if you are hoping to one day have babies and get married and all that, just I'm glad you're here. I want to introduce you to a a rule. I mean, that's a good way to start off with. Uh, There's a guy named Gary Haugen or Hoogan or we'll just call him Gary. Uh, He's in charge of the International Justice Mission, which basically means what he does for a living. This is really cool is he spending his life trying to end human slavery. Like, that's what he's doing. So you can imagine the characters that he comes across. And I'm talking about in the negative sense, okay? I'm talking about uh, when, when they bust in and there's folks that you and I would be nice to say, oh, they're bad, bad people, bad, doing bad things, bad guys, bad whatever. And so what he, what he has uh, a bit of... A, experience with is the criminal justice system he's aware of uh of the process of not only someone getting caught but the process they go through when, when they're like put into oh, behind bars and all that kind of stuff and he's been watching this and observing this in an in an unscientific way by the way it's unscientific and he he spells this out in the article that i read about him that it's unscientific but it's his observation and it's a rule he observes is this the rule is the 1570 15 rule Here's what he says, based on his observation, in the criminal justice system. Every single morning, 15% of them wake up with very, very uh, cruel intentions, conspiring, thoughts going, here is the the hell I'm going to just bring into the lives of people. 15% of them dreaming up, strategizing, I mean, a sick agenda, right? There's 15%. On the other side, the other 15% are the group in the criminal justice system who are actually waking up as changed people. Waking up, you know what I'm gonna do today is I'm not gonna live my old self. I'm going to actually do some good today. I'm gonna rally people around and, and help them understand that they can live a new life, a fresh life, The two groups, that's not surprising. It's the 70% in the middle. Says he sees it all the time. The 70% that are waiting for the most dominant voice to then follow. Literally going, okay, if it's, if it's the bad guys, we're all going to follow them. If, they're the la- if, it's, if it's the least dangerous to them, they're going to lean in and say, you tell us what to do, and we'll, we won't really even do it, but we'll just watch and be on your team. If it's the good guys, if they're the loudest and the most influential, that 70% will lean in to them. Now, if you're willing, uh, let me be very blunt with all of us, uh, I can describe to you the 70%. It's like people just in the comment section. The people waiting for someone to say something that has a bit of a, that's not exactly correct, uh, or, or, or someone's gonna say something that they simply can just like, smiley face, hugs, whatever you wanna do, hearts, and say, yeah, yeah, I, I'm in this, I'm following what that person said and what that person is doing. And, and, and let me be even more blunt with you, okay? That is an apathetic lifestyle. That is not a way that God said, I am creating you and forming you to live this awesome, amazing life, and I've designed you to simply follow other people who decide to do good or bad, and you just affirm that. It's apathetic. That's why we're doing this series, because that's not what God designed you to do with your life, to simply live in the 70% of just tell me what to do and nah. Hopefully, it's not too horrible. Apathy, strong word. If if you and I were talking and I said you are apathetic, it probably would be the last time we ever talked. I imagine that. Uh, but but let me show you words that are put into the definition of, of apathy. I think they're important here. So apathy, uh, maybe it's a word you use frequently or you describe other people by. But here's the, indifference. Most of us would say we're not indifferent. Most of us say, wow, I mean, I care about some things like. Good coffee, uh, right? Or, or favorite show. I'm not, I'm not indifferent. But it's that detachment that I am probably most concerned about. That we quickly detach from a day, a night, a week, a month, whatever, we detach from it and think that we can w- pause for a little bit, observe others, but I'm telling you, it, it leads us to you and I are not good enough on our own to just stay out of apathy and it winds up leading us to where we're saying one thing, believing one thing, actually, but our behaviors have, have no connection to the two. So we as a church have said, you know, what if, what if we could change that? What if in this generation, you and I could say, you know what, yeah, we've observed that, we each have our own stories of ourselves and other people, what if... What if uh, what if we change it? And I'll tell you, Jesus has been trying to change this for a long time. Uh, if you go to the end of your Bible, it's a book called Revelation that uh, it starts off with some letters that Jesus spoke through John to get delivered. And let me, let me just show you what, what was written. Wake up. I mean, if you, you're like, okay, I get it already. Strengthen what little remains. For, 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 even, for even what is left is almost dead. Isn't that kind of apathy talk there? I find that your actions do not meet the requirements. So well said and nice of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, uh, by the way, dun, 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 I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. You just see the word saying, hey, don't disconnect. Your actions matter. Uh, maybe a more popular one that you've heard uh, that that he spoke. John, your love for one another will prove. just want to stop here for dramatic effect. Your love for one another will prove. I think most Christians think it's not their responsibility to prove anything. And perhaps some of us have thought, oh, I'm going to prove the existence of God, and that's I'm going to prove you're wrong, and we ought to probably stop that. Here's what your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Uh, quick question, if you're trying to prove anything, do you not want This idea of proving that Jesus is amazing and that others ought to consider him. If you're following him now going, I actually would rather prove that than anything else. So that's what's so beautiful about the book of Malachi. Malachi. Uh, Malachi is, is this book that many of us miss because it's right before what's called the Gospels, right before the story of Jesus, where it's told four different times. And, but we, we, we go to that because that's like the good stuff. But there's this book called Malachi uh, that many would say are the actually words that last spoken of God and then 400 years of silence until Jesus shows up. And there's this book of Malachi that was written to a group of people that were often, well, they were called by God, basically, apathetic. Uh, They were the 70%. They were the folks that said, yay God, but not necessarily with their actions. So what we've been doing, and boy, has it been a bit intense. In fact, if you listened to last week's message, I'm glad that you're back. I wasn't quite sure. Uh, So uh, this is how we're gonna land this, and the book begins to end for us, but there's still profound things to learn. So let's go after it. Uh, You have said terrible things about me. See, again, rather intense, right off the bat. Awkward to start off. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, and uh, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said terrible things about me. Let me point out something. Let's get a little nerdy about the Bible. The words matter. The order of them matter. What you have said about me. God is not saying what you have said to me. Catch that? He's not confronting them, going, what you, have, what you have done to me, what you have said to me, what you had said, what you've said about me. So let me boy, This means that they are they are critiquing God. They are analyzing God to each other. They're complaining. That's what he's, he's saying. And guess what? I'm God and I hear things. That's what and, he, and he's confronting them about what they're talking to each other about. They're literally, I mean, we're in a political season right now where all of us, or not all of us, sorry, overgeneralization, a lot of us are critiquing certain people about what they've done, what they've said, what they haven't done. We live in a, actually a very a season where that's all over the place. That was happening way back then, and they're critiquing of all people. God. I mean, how does one land where a God can. Confronting these people going, you're complaining about me. You're over and over and over critiquing. Now, here, most of us would say, I think I've done that a couple of times. If you're not willing to admit it, I, I will. I have, I have critiqued God, especially his timing. I have, I have gotten as close to I can to his face and said, what are you doing and why aren't you doing it? But sometimes those, those honest moments leak out all over, and they become more of the dominant force in my conversations about God. And I so much don't like what he's doing, I've returned to just complaining about him. And that's what these folks have done. Complain, 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 complain. Now, how does this happen? That's the lesson. That's why I think God has us looking at this right now. How does a person or a group of people do this? Here, I studied. Here's what I think. It's easy to critique God if you forget what he's done. It's easy to talk to God, think about God, in a way that's a bit negative, where why haven't you, why aren't you, where are you, I don't like what, and you begin to fill in the blanks, and that becomes the repetitive part of you and God. How do you get to that place where you begin to believe maybe a little bit that maybe God isn't even good anymore? Maybe he doesn't love you as much anymore. How do you get to that place, and I would say, I would say that you have, have forgotten a bit. All the wonderful things he's done. That's what these people have done. They have they have forgotten. Oh, wait a minute. We've got stories of how, how God took our people through amazing moments of opening up a sea and walking us through, feeding us from the sky. They had had songs to remind themselves about this and they just were neglecting and neglecting. God had provided and and blocked for them and protected them and led them and done all this amazing stuff. But is it, I mean, is it not human nature, right? We we get to the place where it's like, yeah, that stuff was cool, but now I got this problem. And we quickly begin to uh, critique God. We begin to wrestle with, like, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship with him anymore. I don't know what I want to do about this anymore. And then um, apathy begins to set in. I don't know what your conversations with God have been like lately. I know mine, I've had multiple ones with him recently where I don't like certain things. I've said to him I don't like it. And that has begun to dominate some of my convos with him. Where I no longer talk to him for a while about the blessings in my life how he's delivered me at multiple times. Maybe this is that reminder. This maybe this is the place that we're like okay I need help here. So so here. Let's go more after ap- apathy sets in when we forget our grace. Let's, let's, let's take the Malachi stuff, set it to the side for a moment, and let's talk about you and I, that perhaps you're going, oh, I feel distant from God. I feel like it's not landing like it used to. I feel like I'm not sure what, even what I think about him. Then lean into your own personal grace. Lean into the moments, that, and I'm not going to make you raise your hands, because we just all would, and we'd raise every limb that we possibly can raise to say, yep, I, there's this moment where God saved me and did this and that. All of us have grace moments, whether you've reconciled, reconciled with him or not, you've got them, where he's intervened, and he's saying, I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going, to rep- I'm going to repair this and restore this. How good are you at remembering those moments? Okay, so I read this story that I thought fits here, because I don't think we're fantastic anymore about remembering stuff. Uh, if you, if you maybe you don't like uh, church rituals, uh, I typically don't either. Uh, and, and routines and traditions, and they were designed to help us remember. But so, so here's the story. There's a, a surgeon, specifically. Here's what he does: is he does like organ transplants. I mean, that's cool. Uh, that's that's what he does. It's his thing. I thought. Here's how it works. They get all gowned up, they go into the room, and they transplant the organ. That's, uh, that's what I, th- no. I wanna show you, he was interviewed, and this, this, this actually, this moved me. Here, uh, he's talking about the folks who were donors. I'm gonna try to, they are heroes to us. And we always wanna remember their stories and this gift that they're giving. While we're in the operating room, we always take a pause. I didn't know this, maybe you did, I I didn't know this. Our people from our organ procurement team, after a moment of silence will read something often. Uh, Often it's a poem or something uh, that one of the loved ones asked us to say about the person, maybe a little bit about who they were and what was important to them. I mean, isn't that just special? that a surgeon and and a a medical team would say, we we can't forget what leads to this moment. We've got to mark this moment. We've got to make sure that it lands and stays implanted in our souls, our minds, because the person who is willing to, to donate an organ, this can't go forgotten. Should we not as Christians do the same tradition? where you and I actively look at the moments that we've experienced with God and make sure, how do I make sure I remember? So here's your homework. Uh, Remember your grace. (laughs) You're going to have your own way to do this, okay? (laughs) I'm not going to tell you my ways, but that might be boring to you or ineffective to you. You've got your ways to remember. Maybe Maybe you need to tattoo it. I'm not suggesting and saying, oh, everyone go get a tattoo, but I'm just saying, maybe you write it, and maybe you memorize something. Maybe you write a song, a poem. Maybe you do, I don't, what, you, you come up with your own idea. Remember your grace. But here's what I'm telling you. If you don't want to be apathetic, if you want to be able to forgive someone who hurts you, if you want to be able to recover, if you want to lead children, if you want to have an awesome Marriage, learn how to remember your grace. Because if you remember your grace, you now have something to give to other people. And you don't live apathetically. Now, that's lesson one in this. There's more to it. That wasn't their only problem. So let's go back to Malachi. Uh, You have said, What's the use of serving God? In other words, yes, God listens. Okay, so, so what's the use of God of, of us of what's the use of serving God? What have we gained? I bolded it for you and underlined it. What have we gained by obeying His commands, or by trying to show the Lord of Heaven's armies that we're sorry for this sin, our sins? What have we gained? Just Sometimes when you read the Bible this way, you understand it a bit more. What have we gained? Stop, stop talking. We need to have a sit down. They're talking about, hey God, what have we gained? So here, here's your next lesson about apathy. Apathy sets in when our motive, our motive is selfish. When, when we're going after God and it's not about God, it's about what we get, right? That's standard, but we all get trapped in this. Uh, this is called in, in my world, but also in the business world, consumerism. This is where we, yeah, you might have your favorite place that you go to that you like, and it's cool to say, I demand this at a certain store, but we attribute that to God, and we treat God that way, where we encounter God, and we say, God, here's the deal, here's what I want, and if you do not provide that, I'm going to disconnect from you until you provide that, which means we become apathetic to him. Consumer mentality The expectation that goods and services will be available to satisfy my needs. What if you plugged this in to your relationship with God right now? It would wreck some of us. Um, Let me show you what a professor says about the dangers of this. Consumerism as a character-cultivating way of life encourages the least attractive human traits avarice. And just so you know, yes, I had to look up to see what that meant. (laughs) Yep. Just full disclosure. I mean, it's greed. It's greed. It's a fancy word for greed. Don't know why he didn't just say greed when he's a professor. Anyways. (laughs) So just so you see the real quote, and I don't want to misquote, but that, greed, aggression and self-centeredness. This is what happens if you plug this into you and God. It's not just about your favorite pair of jeans or your favorite coffee. know if you treat God as though He exists solely for you, you are in some dangerous territory, not from Him damning you to hell, but from getting disconnected from Him and living this apathetic, unfulfilling life. Meanwhile, the Bible oozes tons of truth about how to fight this. First Corinthians, "So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Huh, how's that happen? Well, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. For the Lord, 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 for the Lord. Do you get it? It's for the Lord. But I thought I'd show you Satan's spin to this. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. So that must mean life is about you. It's a beautiful twist, isn't it? But tragic. You see, he's a, uh, he's a worship leader of sorts. And he's trying to get you to worship anyone else other than God. And many of us have thought, wait a minute, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, this is fantastic. It must be all about me. It's not though. Life's not all about you. And I mean that in the kindest way. I mean, like, I'm not trying to hate on you. I'm trying to help us all break out of apathy. And I'm telling you, if you live this consumer, selfish, self-focused life, if it's all about, and it's the potential of losing many people in our church, if it's all about your rights, if it's all about what you think you deserve, you might find yourself living in apathetic relationship with God. Christians haven't always been known as apathetic. Let me walk you through history, the Cyprian plague. Just so you know, uh, this is the best picture I can find. I'm sorry. I'll give you the short of it. A plague started in Ethiopia and spread all over the place, eventually making its way to Rome. Rome was the center of just about everything. At the peak, about 5,000 people a day would die, right there on the streets, all over the place. In fact, that was the problem. So many people were sick and dying that the healthy people ran. The healthy people said, we've got to get out of here. So they did. Meanwhile, people are sick, it was a major problem. So one of the bishops gathered as many Christians as he could. He says, I don't know what this is gonna cost you, but I think we can show people Jesus. So the Christians, it's documented, were the only ones willing to care for the sick, to bury the dead. Many of them got sick and died. Life's not about you. Emperor Julian, some known as Emperor Julian the Apostate, uh, he tried to resurrect a fake religion, just, he was bored, and tried to start a really completely pagan religion for no reason other than it might help him a little bit. People immediately began to refute it. Do you know why? Because the Christians at that time were so well known for taking care of the poor, they're like, why would we want what you're talking about? He's quoted, you can look it up, where he would quote and talk about, this is crazy that he's called the Galileans. That these these people would not only take care of their own poor but our poor too more recent but not super recent 1790s richard allen african-american pastor eventually he broke off of the episcopal church because of segregation blatant racism that was so toxic and so destructive broke off but continued to face tons and tons and tons of racism yellow fever broke out and just like normal no one knew what to do things began to fall apart and no one would care for anybody so the folks who had showed the racism the folks who had showed the racism went to him and said will you help? and he gathered everyone he could who looked just like him, and they began to care for people who had showed them some of the most horrific ways humans can treat each other. So here's the spin. Here's what it should look like. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Life is about him. If you wanna take that whole book of Malachi and say, what do I get from that? that life is about god every day every night every year it's always about god i challenge you to look at how you live life treat others manage whatever you manage and make it all about god let me pray for us heavenly father uh i will just tell you personally lord i'm sorry for the moments that i have lived for myself and been all about myself there are More days than I can count, Lord, that I wanted you just to do what I wanted you to do. Lord, uh, would you forgive us of any apathy that exists in our lives, and would you point it out and cut it out and help us to live a life on fire for you? Lord, we love you. Thanks for meeting with us and stirring us up as a church. Thanks for this series. May we be a group of people. That not only says the truth, but lives it out with grace, just like you do. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen.